These verses record the wise prayer of a weak man. You can learn a lot about a person simply by listening to him or her pray. And I want to introduce you today to a man named Agur by way of the prayer that he prays. There is much that we can learn about Agur from the wise sayings recorded in this chapter. And maybe the most important things we would learn about him are found here in the prayer that he prays. Today on the Songtime Broadcast, we are continuing our series, A Proverb a Day in May. This message from H.B. Charles Jr. helps us understand this prayer of Agar as it teaches us to acknowledge the important things to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and trust that all of these things will be added to you. But first, we'll continue our doctrine series as this month we're going to be exploring the doctrine of the power of God. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. At the beginning of our year, I challenged you to study doctrine and theology. Now, doctrine is really the, the rails in which we, we put the train on. They guide us and they keep us from going off the tracks. And, and quite honestly, as the more I spend in a media ministry and the more I go out and look for good content for the broadcast, the more I find there is a lot of really bad content out there, especially under the Christian label that you probably passes off in mainstream churches all the time as something that is is good. And I got to tell you, a lot of it is not. A lot of it is actually very destructive because it is not grounded in theology. It's not grounded in the Word of God. So at the beginning of the year, we challenged you to study theology with us. And we were going to take all year, one week out of every month, to talk about 12 different doctrines. Today, we're going to be delving into that again, following along the pattern laid out for us by uh, a, a great book by Paul David Tripp, Do You Believe? 12 Historic Doctrines to Change Your Everyday Life. And our guest this week is going to help us unpack the next doctrine in line, which is the doctrine of the, the omnipotence of God, that is, he is all-powerful, uh, his omni attributes, the things that he is absolutely in control of, all things. We're going to be talking with Nick Tucker this week, and he's written a book called 12 Things God Can't Do and How They Can Help You Sleep at Night. It's a very provocative title, but it is exactly what we're going to be talking about this week as we consider the omnipotence of God, His power over all things. So, Nick, I'm really excited to get into this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Thanks for having me on. It's great to see you. Why don't you get started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what prompted you to kind of explore this book as a, as a theme, a riff of, of dealing with the ways in which God has limited himself in some way. Thanks. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, ordained as a minister in the Church of England, and, um, but I spent eight years on the staff of Oak Hill Theological College in London. And some of uh, the stuff that I got to teach on was, was on the doctrine of God. And, uh, I, I was really looking for a way to to teach this stuff in a, in, in a sort of wider arena in a way that was kind of arresting and accessible for people. Uh, and uh, it struck me that we we think we know what we're talking about when we talk about God being omnipotent, mm -hmm. for instance. And actually, it's really helpful to to try to find a way to make us think, hey, maybe I don't know everything I need to know about about God after all. I think I think I know what I mean, but 
but what, who is God really? What is he really like? Mm. Uh, and so much of what he reveals of himself in scripture is to say, I'm not like you. I'm not what you think I am. You know, you can only know me if I reveal myself to you. And uh, so, um, yeah, I, I felt that, you know, talking about things God can't do. I mean, it does, it does seem, you know, whenever I mention the title of the book to anyone, they say, oh, mm, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's a way of trying to make people think and, and, and open them up to a discussion about how much greater God is than they ever imagined he might be. Yeah, I think that's a really unique take because when we're talking about the omnipotence of God, it kind of, in people's imaginations, it can lead to some really crazy points of view. And that's really the problem, isn't it? That we have created a God in our own imagination and we haven't really discovered him from his word. That is the kind of crucial component that you were talking about there, that we have we have kind of crafted God in our image. Yeah, and I think that, that we're kind of aware, you know, in a kind of Romans one way, that that's what's gone on within the world. But actually, it's easy for us in the church to to make the same mistakes and not allow God to. I mean, it's striking to me in Exodus three. You know, God gives Himself a name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that Moses says, "Well, what shall I call you?" You know, God God is like, "Okay, this is who I am. I am who I am. He's self defined. You know, he he is he's self existent." And and uh, I think that's just such an important an important sort of insight that you've that you've you've hit on there. We've been talking with Nick Tucker. He's the author of 12 Things God Can't Do and How They Can Help You Sleep at Night. A great resource, by the way. The title is very provocative, but it helps us understand the complexities of the power of God. An excellent resource that you can find out more information about by giving us a call. It's 508-362-7070. It's 508-362-7070. Uh, You can also head over to our website at songtime.com. He'll be with us all week long as we continue to unpack these very particular doctrines in looking at the doctrine of God's omnipotence and all of his omni-attributes. So you want to be sure to follow along with us as we challenge you and encourage you to grow deeper in theology and understand crucial Christian doctrines. Well, today we are continuing our series, A Proverb a Day in May, and we're bringing this series to a close. Oh my goodness, the month is almost over, but that does not mean uh, we don't have plenty of time to continue to explore the wonderful wisdom of God's Word here in Proverbs. This message from H.B. Charles Jr. takes us to Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. A beautiful picture of a prayer of Agar as he talks about what he wants from God, a lesson that each and every one of us can learn from, the importance of seeing God in the riches in which he blesses us so that ultimately God will receive the glory. Here is H.B. Charles Jr. with a closer look at our series of Proverb A Day in May. Grace and peace be multiplied to you today in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. If I can point your attention to the book of Proverbs chapter 30 verses seven through nine. There is a prayer there that I want to read to you. Proverbs 37 through nine reads, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches, Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? 
or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. These verses record the wise prayer of a weak man. You can learn a lot about a person simply by listening to him or her pray. And I want to introduce you today to a man named Agur by way of the prayer that he prays in the verses I have just read. Proverbs 30 verse 1 is the only place in Scripture where the name Agur is mentioned. Yet I contend that there is much that we can learn about Agur from the wise sayings recorded in this chapter. And maybe the most important things we would learn about him are found here in the prayer that he prays. This prayer teaches us to address before God the spiritual weaknesses in our lives that either block or detour the pursuit of godliness in our lives. But there's a lesson in the invocation of the prayer, verse 7, before you ever get to the petitions in verses 8 and 9. Consider first that this prayer teaches us in its invocation to pray with humble submission. Agur says, two things I ask of you. Agur asked God for what he needed and wanted in his life. He did not tell God what to do. He did not claim any promises. He did not try to use his faith to manipulate God to produce his desired reality. He simply asked God for what he wanted, like a child addressing his father, like a servant speaking to his master, like a sinful man praying to a holy God. Agur simply asked God for what he needed in prayer. And this is how you and I ought to pray, friends, with humble submission, not arrogant presumption. But also we see in this invocation that we should pray with spiritual priorities. You will note here that Agur does not pray about vain, trivial, superficial things. His prayer is weighted down with the gravity of eternity. In Psalm 90 verse 12, Moses prays, so teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. From that standard, we can conclude that Agur was a wise-hearted man. He had numbered his days. He recognized that it is appointed to every man to die once and then stand before God in judgment. And so, as he prayed about his life, Agur was thinking about his death. Matthew Henry says, comment here, that in praying one should think about dying and then pray accordingly. We should pray recognizing that life is short and death is sure and eternity is coming. We should, as Jesus teaches us, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, knowing that all the other things we are tempted to worry about will then be fully supplied by the Lord. Furthermore, this invocation teaches us to pray with godly wisdom. Of course, James 1 and 5 tells us we can ask God for wisdom, but I believe this prayer also teaches us that we should pray with wisdom. It is apparent that Agur processed things in organized lists. Our text is the first and shortest of six such lists that we find in Proverbs 30. And in this list, we find Agur's prayer list, where he apparently first thought about the things that he wanted to ask God for in prayer and only came up with two 
things. William Arnott comments that this prayer is a stern rebuke of every dim word cloud that sits upon one's head calling itself a prayer. Hagar would have never gone into the presence of an ancient dignitary without thoughtful preparation and purpose, and all the more, he would not go into the presence of the living God carelessly or thoughtlessly. And so before he prayed, he made a list of the things that he wanted God to do for him before he died. It was a spiritual bucket list, if you will of the things he wanted God to do in his life before he died, and he only came up with two things. If you were to make a list of the things you want God to do in your life before you die, how long would your list be? What would be the things that you would put on your list? And would your list reflect you to be wise or foolish? Agar made a list of the things he wanted God to do in his life before he died, and he only came up with two things. On one hand, he asked God to remove from his life anything that would block his pursuit of godliness. And then he prayed, on the other hand, that God would not give him anything that would detour him from the path of godliness. That's it. That's Agar's prayer. Proverbs is 31 chapters filled with godly wisdom, but this is the only prayer recorded in the book of Proverbs. It seems to suggest that this is a sufficient example of how godly people ought to pray, and I commend it to you today, suggesting that if you want to be like Jesus, maybe we should learn to pray like Agur. Today's proverb of the day in May is Proverbs chapter 30. And there are a lot of really great sayings here of Agar, but I think the ones that have stood out to me the most, or at least that I've been meditating on today, are verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. There's this whole kind of back and forth, these, these two polar opposites, truth and a lie. It starts off that every word of God proves true. And I love that because God, as we've been talking about it at today earlier with Nick Tucker, the, the omnipotence of God, there are certain things that God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot uh, mislead you in any way. He is bound by his holiness, by his character to tell you the truth. And th- there's another thing here, that, that God will always do what is right. His truth is always good for you, whether you want to hear it or not. But there's a verse, there's a word there in that first phrase that every word of God proves true. It might not seem like right now what God has in store for you is good or right or, or what you want. But over time, as you see the faithfulness of God, it is constantly proven time and time again that it is true. There's this warning in verse 6, though, to not add to his words, to not, uh, to not try to change them in any way, lest he rebuke you and what you say be found to be a liar. Now, if you listen to the Songtime broadcasts over the course of the year, you'll hear from hundreds of various different voices. But there will always be one message. And that one message that we seek to articulate every single day is the second half of verse 5. It says, He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. That is the gospel. The good news that when we take our refuge in Christ, 
He will protect us. We can trust him. We can we can lean on him. We can put our life in his hands and know that he loves us and he cares for us. You can't change that in any way. You can't add to it. You can't subtract from it. We must cling to that as the core of our faith. And that's what we want to communicate every single day because we believe that you need to hear the gospel. Do you want to know why I believe that you need to hear the gospel? Because I need to hear the gospel. Every single day, a reminder of God's faithfulness that it proves to be true. I hope that you are inspired to read today's proverb of the day for May. Read chapter 30 and let us know which of these verses stood out to you. What are you meditating on today from our proverb day in May? Write to us at Songtime Radio. Let us know. It's PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our series with H.B. Charles Jr. as we talk about a proverb a day in May and what we can learn about this special prayer from Agar. There are things that in sin we get ourselves into that we cannot get ourselves out of. But I have good news. Our Father in heaven is strong. There is nothing that you are into that God cannot get you out of. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. <laughs>